1: We totally forgot that The Rock has Grapple for like the whole discussion part, but we do catch it in time for the AP. Just know that going in. Enjoy the episode. My name is Aram and my pronouns are he, him. I'm the producer of the Dungeon & Dragons podcast, God's Fall. my name's Dylan. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm a
2: physicist in Canada.
1: Welcome to kill every monster. This week on Kill Every Monster, we are featuring The Rock.
2: The Monster Manual describes the rock as a huge beast with wingspans that spread 200 feet or more. At rest, perched upon mountain peaks that are its home, this monstrous bird rivals even the oldest dragons in size.
1: This episode, we are joined by Sean Ford. Sean, whose pronouns are she, her, is a PhD candidate at McMaster University studying astrobiology and the origin of life on Earth and other planets. In her free time, she watches and photographs birds, collects fossils, and crochets all manner of things. You can find her on Twitter at Sean E. Ford, S-I-A-N-E-F-O-R-D, and on her little personal website, seaneford.com. If you are looking for an inclusive, equitable, and beginner-friendly birding experience, you can check out the Feminist Bird Club at feministbirdclub.org. How's it going, Sean?
3: Pretty good. Excited to be here. Astrobiology.
1: Bird. Yeah, it took me a couple times, but we got there.
3: That's fine.
1: It's like you're studying, you're studying the biology of planets, right? That's what <laughs> I'm assuming it is. I'm, I'm just... Tied up on the whole idea of it's the biology of planets. Yeah, it's the biology of planets.
2: There's two options for that. One of them, you're thinking of
1: ecology. Right. You know, biology spread over, Mm -hmm. you know. Look, I've seen Star Wars. Every planet has one biology. That's how it works. That's a biome.
3: No, one biology. I'm the biologist here.
1: Biome just means that it's round, Dylan. That's all. What? (laughs) What?
3: biome is when the biology is round. (laughs) Fuck you. So what you're telling me is my body type is biome. I'm
1: sorry. sorry. I normally don't break Dylan that much with my utter (laughs) bullshit. Just the what?
2: (laughs) Sean, what is the rock?
3: To me, it's just an animal. It's like a a megafauna. It really is what it looks like. It's a really big bird. It's just a big bird. It's the very top of the food chain. And in my opinion, someone has to be at the top of the food chain, so it might as well be a giant badass bird.
1: Someone was like, how dangerous are birds? What if they were...
3: What if they could fight a dragon? What if they could fight a dragon?
2: In Indian mythology, there are giant birds. Like, there is a particular giant bird... But when you look for the rock showing up historically, it is, as far as I can tell, the world's first cryptid. It's just there were rumors of people traveling over the mountains and they saw a big bird so big it could fly off with an elephant. And that's the whole story. Like We're not talking about a myth like, oh, and there's a dragon living there and it was brought there in primordial times. And it's like there is no legend of its creation. There's no
1: thing it does. It's just. This bird over there. It's fucking big. (laughs) In D&D, there is. The giants made them. Yeah. The giants made the rocks to fight the dragons. They don't really say how, unless I missed it. Breeding programs. (laughs) Just over long periods of time, they got bigger and bigger. It's like a German shepherd.
3: They they started with just like a tiny, like little hawk. It's a goldfinch. Maybe a couple, a a goldfinch.
1: (laughs) They were like, well, get the biggest ones. There's just a cloud giant somewhere trying to get a golden condor and a hawk to mate.
0: It's like, <laughs> Come on, guys. We're on a deadline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's always dangerous when they do like the
2: and then this species made these things because you never want to imply genetics in fantasy between the fact that like D&D has a bad time with. Invoking anything involving genetics, D should not bring up genetics. But also, just for me personally, magic. Magic means science is broken. You can't. You can't make it like, oh, they just bred them. It's genetics. It was natural selection.
1: Right. No, they did the magic. Giants have big magic, and they did big magic and made bird yeah. big. Giants did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to make big bird.
3: Yeah. 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 That's always what I've maintained. If you're in a fantasy world, you just. You wave the, oh, it was magic wand at it.
2: You can do it like there were experiments and we had to get the specific magic right. So that it like fundamentally altered the nature of the creature. But you can't do like just the dragons took a couple generations and we're like, especially because they bred them to fight dragons. Like there's the middle of a giant dragon war and they're like, hold on, can we come back and like, Gen five, we need 17 more.
1: They either had a wish a spell. Yeah. They either wished them or they made some pact or some, you know, they they made some bargain that they shouldn't have made. And that's how they got the energy to make super big rocks. And now we got giant eagles. If you get out. And this is where I get to say something to piss off Sean, uh, which
2: to me says they should be more interesting than they are.
3: Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. I 100% agree.
2: If you're using magic to make
1: battle birds the size of dragons that were surely trained to be battle birds or at least raised to be battle birds, magically transformed to be battle birds. These are legitimately like
2: they have the stat block of a regular ass bird made very tall. Yeah. Add, add fire or something. Just set them on set them on
1: fire or something
3: add lightning add lightning
1: fuck lightning birds mm-hmm. again they were made by giants there's no reason why they wouldn't have some sort of because it was definitely the clout giants the hill giants were not making rocks You can't do lightning because
2: then Wizards is going to immediately make the connection to Thunderbirds. Right, Thunderbirds.
3: We need Wizards to leave that alone.
2: Just giant birds. We're sitting in relatively safe territory of like, I don't think we're going to hurt anyone with just
1: grabbing the giant bird. Give them a buffeting attack, some sort of thing, you know, anything like that.
3: A whirlwind attack. They've got 200 full wingspan.
1: Every time they take off, the wash would just blow everyone back anyway. Now we,
2: we don't have to give them magical abilities. Why don't the rocks have anything that accounts for the fact? That, yeah, yeah, it's
1: a bird. It's got a beacon talons.
3: It's so fucking big.
1: It's so big.
3: Why does it not have Swallow Hole?
1: Absolutely. Why not?
3: If this bad boy picks up a medium-sized creature like a PC, I'm sorry. Like you're going in the gullet.
1: Yeah, they're gonna do that little thing where they flip you into the air, open their mouth,
2: and you fall in. Absolutely. And then you get the ongoing bludgeoning damage unless you can make it throw up or whatever. Like Well, and if
3: you're if you're unlucky, maybe maybe this kind of giant bird eats boulders to put in its crop to help it break down the food. And now you're just in a sack with boulders. <laughs>
1: The one place where its size does seem to factor in is in how fast it is, which I don't quite understand because the larger bird is not the faster that bird is. That's not how bird work. But this bird has a flying speed of 120 feet, which means that literally nothing can get away from it except, I think, an angel. So 120 feet around is single move.
2: Now, what if it dashes? And also the the math of speed in D&D is always that is a combat speed. That's the speed you move when you're being cautious and being prepared to take an attack or like watching for your opportunities. That's not your dead fucking run speed.
3: Imagine this thing diving out of the sky at your group.
2: Which then comes into the frightful presence or even just like Giving it a full blown dash attack of if the rock dives from the air and travels more than 50 feet. When it lands, you have to make a strength save
3: or you just get crushed
2: or you're just going to thrown across the room, deafened. Like there are so many weird little things you could throw in there that just. You don't get to factor in except for in giant monsters. And this is the fast giant monster where you should be pulling out all these weird little stops.
3: Another thing, like with big creatures, even with like dragons, I don't understand why they don't get like a deafening move. Like if a dragon roars or like this bird screams. We have real world birds that if you're in the same room as it and it screams, you're going to have a bad time. Like a macaw screams at 120 decibels.
1: This thing would sound like a foghorn. (laughs) like Pitched up.
3: It would be horrifying.
2: You give a little bit of allowance because when you start going logically of what attacks it should have, this thing would become wildly powerful way too fast. So it has to become something where it's like like... Honestly, in this conversation, we've given it an attack where if it moves far enough, it has this huge bludgeoning effect. You've given it swallow. We give it the scream. Even if you put that on a recharge, that's huge. You give it just the ability to buff it with its wings. like
3: It should also get grappling with its talons.
2: That I think is honestly non-negotiable because that's also just how birds work.
3: If it's supposed to be based off like giant eagles and stuff, we already know they do that. A gold eagle will just go and grab a mountain goat and fling it off the side of a mountain because why kill something when you can just use physics? They
1: use falling damage all the time. <laughs>
3: they do. It's Their
1: favorite tactic. Which you would. I mean, you would if you're like, oh, if I if I drop this, it it takes twenty dice six damage and <laughs> solved, and I can eat. Yeah, of course you would. If you don't think much about birds, you picture
2: like diving down, picking up the prey and flying away. But when you get into those bigger raptor types, like they're not even worrying about flying away, they're not worrying about killing it. They're worrying about I will tackle this thing, pin it to the ground and immediately begin devouring it.
3: They're metal, they're metal as hell, right? Like they just they're like, I caught this and it's pinned to the ground. I guess it's dinner time and this poor bird is still alive, right? The pigeon or whatever, the duck is still alive. That's fresh. That's fresh eaten.
2: The only place I can think of where I've seen a rock actually used in an adventure was, uh, it might be one in Storm, Storm King's Thunder. I didn't look at that one. But in Ravenloft, there is a bridge guarded by a rock. And all it is is like, it doesn't even say to run it like an encounter. It's just if they're not paying attention, if you get the opportunity to swoop in and take a fucking horse. Go in, grab it, and then the rock flies away. And if the players try to fight it at that point, they ask for it. Now, this was
1: an offering. (laughs) Count yourself lucky.
3: As written, the rock is really boring in the Monster Manual. There are so many more interesting giant flighted critters that you would use instead. But it has so much potential.
1: It's always been one of my favorites, even though it's always been frustratingly underpowered. It's always been like in my imagination as one of my favorites.
3: I love birds, right? I think they're I think they're cool as hell. I've used a rock in the last 10 years of gaming once as a GM. I've used one one time and it was pretty lackluster. You know, it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted it to be because like you wanted to do all these cool things. But then you look at the, the stat block and... You're like, oh, it's really strong, but it's really stupid.
1: Another thing on that, why doesn't why wouldn't all birds have lair actions? Like the whole point of a bird is that it has a nest that it defends and spends a lot of effort on. And they're all very different and intricate and have different. Sometimes they're on the ground. Sometimes they're up here. Sometimes they knock each other out of nests. I mean, they should have lair actions.
3: Absolutely, they should.
1: I think we're running into that, that problem again,
2: where that is illogical. That makes sense. But also that complicates the encounters a lot. And where is a bird actually going to be fought? Because like a rock in general is not really a treasure monster.
3: But why not?
1: But why not? Well, because why not, though? What if it decorates? What if it decorates its, its little nest? With like swords and shit. You can
2: motivate an encounter in its nest. Like you can say it's been just taking horses and then it realized like, oh, if I pick up this this cart, it's got two horses attached to it. I don't have to carry two horses like I'd have to make an extra round trip. This is way more efficient. So it piles up a bunch of treasure and then you could you could run that encounter. But in that story, I've already made my point. The place where you're going to fight a bird is is when the bird wants to fight you, and it's not
1: gonna fight you at home. But you're just talking about food, right? That you know, bird wants food, bird go get food. What if the bird was attacking the caravans on the road, not because it cared about food or the horses, it wanted to get into the fancy silks because it draped those fancy silks over its barrow and needs all the reds.
3: What if it just wants the caravan as nest? building material because right. this bird cannot take a whole tree down like trees have roots like it is tough so it just steals ships and like wagons and the Cracking stuff inside the is mast like
1: off of a giant sailing right. ship like and just like it just it's just sticking it in a like side of a mountain there's just suddenly a sailing ship poking out
3: right just makes like a little circle and then like lays a couple of giant eggs in there and send your send your players to go get an egg just, you know. Yeah.
2: All of that is fantastically cool. But again, we're we're t- talking about it building like it will have a lair, it will have a nest. But that nest isn't going to bestow it any specific powers because and this is one of the things I think is a little interesting about the rock, as much as I was the one to call it out at the beginning, it's just a bird. Being at home doesn't actually bestow it any advantage. The advantage being in the nest gives a rock is the fact that it can fly and you can't motherfucker
3: the only other the only thing i could say of like advantage of being on its home turf is instead of one rock there's now probably two rocks because it has a mate then you can run an encounter called between a rock and a hard place.
1: <laughs> yes. Done. Uh, <laughs> absolutely sold. <laughs> oh. Rocks definitely strike me as mate for life birds. Oh,
3: absolutely. I think so. I think if you're that giant, there are few and far between opportunities for socializing. So once you find someone, you're like, this is, this is my mate.
1: The effort and danger involved in mating as a rock, especially if it's like eagles where they tackle in midair and plummet towards the ground and maybe pull out of it. You would think once you got there, you'd be like, okay, I'm good. You're good. This is for life. Let's make some eggs.
3: I love the idea of a town that like lives nearby where a rock is. And it's like the, you come there and it's like, oh my, how did you get across the field? And everyone's like, what? It's mating season. What? Like for the birds. Why would I be afraid of birds? No, those ones. And you like look up and there's these two like massive Boeing 747 birds, talons locked, tumbling from the sky. And you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ.
1: Just a rain (laughs) of giant feathers. Yeah.
3: (laughs) And screaming.
1: Yeah. Yeah, As it should be. be. As it should be. (laughs) You would think, I mean, two birds that big going at it right lots of wings lots of movement i mean they would like they would move clouds they would change weather as they moved around like they would have huge effects on things not just grabbing and you know a horse once in a while so i just want like we talk about how big these things are and like it
2: i say it in the little intro bit but i we gloss over it a little I need to make sure everybody's really clear on how big a 200 foot wingspan is. Because that's absolutely fucking insane. So we're talking about like 65 meters a wing. You're usually thinking, what, like a third to half the wingspan in height?
3: Depends on the bird.
2: Yeah, it of course depends on the build. But like for a raptor, if you're thinking like six feet wingspan, probably like a two foot tall bird.
3: Yeah, let me let me get you a, a ratio bird
1: ratio.
2: Yeah, it's important to do bird math.
3: I still think kind of math like worth doing.
2: Let me tell you, as a physicist, correct.
3: <laughs> Using the bald eagle for the Americans, body length is up to 40 inches or about a meter. And then the typical wingspan is up to 2.3 meters or seven feet and seven inches
2: yeah so you're looking at like a seven foot wingspan and about a little more than three foot tall, so like mm-hmm. so when the rock is just sitting down, lowballing it,
1: you're looking at a sixty foot tall bird. They could look it through a six story window. It's ten dads tall it It would be an impossible thing to understand when you saw it at a distance. It would perpetually get closer in a way that would just break your brain until it's like, oh, shit, that's what I'm looking at right now.
2: The sort of thing where you're looking at it and there's a bit of your brain that just thinks it's a regular bird. Mm -hmm. Just at a reasonable distance. Like, no, 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 no. You can see that miles off.
3: I think you're never surprised when the dragon is big. Right. Because it's a dragon, right? Yeah. Or any other kind of like more monster type monster. You're like, of course it's big. But when you see a big bird, so many people are just like afraid of birds as a default. And like they're tiny. Like these things are like 13 grams. Like they're nothing. Right. You put more sugar in your coffee.
2: I'm a little indifferent on the rock art in general. Doesn't really do anything for me that specific time. Sorry, artist. But the thing where I think they let us down is the fact that it is
1: actually the bird in isolation. We should point out that all the art in the monster manual is beautiful. We're not talking about the quality of the art or the quality of the artist. We're talking about the fact that it doesn't have anything to relate to. It's just a bird in this. It could be literally be any size. Like when you look at the art for the
2: dragon turtle, there is a shark in frame. It is biting into the rudder of a ship. Like it's very apparent how large. And then the thing to keep in mind It is also gargantuan. So like when you look at
1: that. Yeah, Yeah. but it's like once you get to gargantuan, like it could be anything. It could be any size larger than X. We have jump ship on this one because we have gone right to how would you fix it? Because literally all there is to say is it's a big bird. There's nothing else to add. It's a very big bird. It's a very big bird.
2: Sean, is the rock a monster?
3: Flat out. No, if you want it to just be a big bird, it's just a bird there. There is no evil in nature. And for me, monsters have to have some inherent evilness. Maybe not like evil, evil, but like evilness, you know? And it's just a big bird trying to build a big nest and have big babies. I think you could have individually evil rocks. Um, if you let me have the stat block I want. In that I think the rock should have an intelligence of at least five. Because it has a three.
1: Yeah, more like a crow.
3: It, no, a raven has an int of two.
1: Oh, that's right. Uh, why did they do that?
3: And a house cat has an um an int of three.
1: Yeah, there's no way a house cat's smarter than a raven.
3: No, or a rock for that matter. So I think the rock should have at least a five. And then once once they're smart, you could be a rock that wants to be evil. <laughs> But I don't think they're a monster. Or
1: at least holds a grudge. Remembers a human did something and therefore Fs with them.
3: We know crows and ravens hold grudges. Generational grudges. They'll teach your children that you're a dick too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then that becomes incredibly dangerous because an intelligent rock becomes a tool using animal.
3: I mean, yeah, it just picks up a boulder and throws it at your town or at your ship.
1: They know how to pry open a grain silo. They've taught it to their kids. <laughs> one of my my
2: favorite like tool use stories was in one study they gave a long thin glass tube and a little treat to a at the bottom of it to a crow or a raven, something some Corvid.
3: It was it was a new Caledonian crow. Wow. <laughs> I just know these things.
2: And they gave it just a straight piece of wire. And the crow obviously can't get. The treat, it's too deep down. The wire is straight. It is useless. The crow eventually, after fiddling with the wire, trying to like just stab the treat enough times, realized that the wire bent, stepped on it, used its beak to bend the wire into a hook and fished out the bit. Now imagine that six or seven stories tall. (laughs) Yeah. Like you go to hide in your house and it
1: realizes how the door works. And now there's just a giant metal hook scraping through your house, (laughs) trying to pull you outside. Not
2: sure where it's getting the wire of that particular
1: caliber, but, you know, birds. (laughs) (laughs) Giants got to hang their clothes somewhere. It just picked up a wire hanger when they got back from the cleaners. And now it's here trying to take your whole family. You say that rocks are bigger than giants.
3: I mean, I do love the idea of like a cloud giant laundromat.
1: Sky high cleaners. They're
2: all.
3: Oh my!
1: God. <laughs> and it'd be like in bi- be like big a cloud logo, and the font yes. would just be bubbly along yeah. with it, and the clouds would break apart into suds.
3: Mm. Our branding is on point. I love it.
1: <laughs> Dylan's a complete. Dylan, hell right is, now.
3: Dylan is calling the Better Business Bureau immediately. <laughs>
2: Sean, how would you change the rock in fifth edition?
3: A higher intelligence score as a base. I want swallow hole. I want swoop attack. Those those are like my must haves. I would obviously love in the same vein as there being lots of types of dragons, lots of types of rock. Yeah. Imagine a giant cockatoo with an intelligence score of six or seven, like just the chaos.
2: I would say the grapple attack is the one for me. And then the way you get around not giving it like the swoop attack, I would never, this is too fast and too big a monster for me to want to give it like a, a flyby attack. But what I would want to have is that like big flap that can knock everyone back, make strength saber be knocked back because then If everyone within 5 feet has been pushed 10 feet back, you get to fly away. You give it the ability to just create space to escape. I want this thing to function like a rogue. End of the day, raptors are rogues. It's all sneak attack, massive damage, immediate hits.
1: Right. It's 200 feet wide, but when it's soaring through the air, it doesn't they would definitely make some noise passing through the air, but not as much as you would expect.
3: Yeah, they're very much like a rogue. It's either you do the massive damage, pin the thing down and it's death time or you miss but get away.
2: Quick little bit of physics there are two the two ends of vocal spectrum. If you make a high frequency noise, it's very easy to discern where it's coming from. You can actually tell where it comes from because it doesn't, high pitches don't echo well, basically. But that means that if it's a high pitch noise, it can be localized, but it's going to be short range. The bigger you get, the lower pitch every noise you make is going to be, which means all that you get is that something is coming. And it'll be audible for miles. It's why fog horns are low frequency because that sound does not attenuate, it echoes. If you are near a foghorn, you'll hear it. Even if it makes a huge amount of noise flying in, if you don't know you're dealing with a rock, and again, coming back to our monster ecology problems, you're never going to be dealing... like A rock is not a common occurrence. You should not expect it to be coming, but you'll just hear this huge rumbling, the wind, this really deep shriek that borders on a foghorn. And if you don't know oh, well that's a bird sound, you would never look up. You would never see it coming.
1: And how he rose from nothing to become New York's king of the egg cream.
0: So, if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Sean,
2: this is not where you belong. I want you to tell me why you aren't home.
3: I'm not at home because I am a young rock. It's a, a rare occurrence, you know, rocks being so large, it takes them a long time to raise young. We stay at home with our parents a long time, but I'm old enough now and my parents have kicked me out. I've, I've been booted out of the nest, finally, and I'm prepared for the world, but I'm still a, a young lad, and... I've I've gone a little bit tired trying to find a nice mountain range of my own and so I've found myself a nice kind of elevated hill and I'm I'm setting up a little a little nest of sorts there And the nearby villagers are unimpressed
2: Mountains are difficult. Mountains house giants, which you would think there'd be a little bit of like, you know, going to visit grandpa, but like, no, not happy to have you around.
3: No, they always try and capture me.
2: There are wyverns and occasionally dragons. That's always a bad time. Villagers don't put up a fight. They think they do.
3: They don't really. They don't. They're a little bit bony for my taste, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers with snacks.
2: So you have on this hill, maybe like basically you've pounded down the top of this hill more or less flat to create like a 70 foot. Ovaloid shape. It's not quite round, but you're limited by what fits on the hill, you know? And that's just been building up what for any normal bird would be a nest, but for you has become a full blown barrier. A couple like smaller uprooted trees, shattered lumber from like carts and like a nearby farmstead that was left abandoned. The one day you decided that you needed that wood specifically and just at full momentum landed on it. Picked up the bits you needed.
1: What does your nest/slash barrow look like?
3: It's a bit haphazard. You know, this is my first nest attempt, you know. It like any child when you leave home, it's never as good as mom made, you know. It's a loose collection of what some might call debris, but I would, I would call excellent building material.
1: You're trying different things out. There's a few different types of attempts here. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying to find out what my, my style is, you know, what is, what is my aesthetic?
1: What's the medium I
2: build nested? As a rock,
3: yes. Yes. It's
2: very patchwork. Like, there's a chunk that was clearly inspired from a day you spent at the side of a river watching the the uh, beavers work. Oh, yes. Uh, it didn't really work out because rather rapidly they noticed you and then
1: stopped working and started hiding. That's the problem with most things you observe, I'd imagine. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, most, most things...
1: Don't stick
2: around. Run
3: or hide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's villagers, sometimes they shoot things at me, but that's more of an inconvenience than anything.
2: Speaking of just horribly ill-advised attempts to interact with Iraq, rock, Aram, how are you doing? I am doing well. Good. Tell me about your meat sack.
1: Our is a... F- is it fur It's Furbulg, right? Furbulg? bulk Yeah, Fearbulg. Our is a Fearbulg, and she is tall even for a Fearbulg, and she is kind of like a forest ranger if a forest ranger didn't really have a forest that they stuck to. She just kind of wanders, and solves problems, kind of like a MacGyver forest ranger, just wandering the countryside, solving nature problems. So I just, I have to quickly ask,
2: what is the opinion of the local druid circles of our
1: No, it's mixed, okay? Sometimes our is very helpful to them. Sometimes our Minnowi completely screws up things they're working on. It just, look, she is a neutral force. She's here to help nature. Sometimes that helps the druids. A lot of times it doesn't, but she has bailed them out a few times. So she's definitely helpful enough not to
2: F with. It's one of those things where they treat you almost as like an organization unto yourself. It's like when Mm -hmm. when our Menowee comes in, like she's going to do something like, just let her be.
1: She's the John Wick in nature. Like they like, they know that she's helpful, (laughs) right? But you want to be careful around her. Okay.
3: Her methods sometimes leave something to be desired. And other times you wish you hadn't desired so much.
1: You hire her to do a job to help some nature. She's gonna help some nature. She's not worried about the collateral damage. That's not nature. She's worried about the nature. Fantastic. Then tell me what brought
2: you here. Is this a situation where you're just like on your grand fucking adventure to become a Pokemon master? Or is this like you actually knew what you were doing when you showed
1: up? It's a little bit half and half. She just just tends to be in the right places. Right? She believes in a god of travel and she'll just see signs. Sometimes there's signs, sometimes she wanders, but she just tends to be where she needs to be. And this is one of those cases. And also, she's been hearing rumor. I mean, you, don't, you can't have something this size somewhere and not pick up rumors for miles around.
2: The way a rock goes unnoticed is it lives specifically in the mountains where there ain't fucking people. And then the rumors sound like ravings, you know? Oh, there was a bird that was so big it blotted out the entire sky. It could have sat on my house and crushed the whole thing. Very hard to believe. When an entire caravan comes in, it's like, you know you got a fucking bird out there,
1: right? We watched it specifically over the course of three attempts, smash a house. That's not going to hide for long. That's not a Loch Ness monster. I mean, <laughs> no people are going to know.
3: Especially when you're like stealing everything that comes near you.
1: Right. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do first roll of the game. Roll me nature, Aram. Got a pretty good nature, plus eight. Also, I am in one of my preferred terrains, so I believe I'm rolling with advantage. Correct.
2: Uh, that checks out, but I don't know off the top of my head. Fuck it, whatever.
1: Natural Explorer. You have a favored terrain type. Your proficiency bonus is doubled for proficient skills when you make an intelligence or wisdom check related to it. So it just doubles my proficiency.
2: Yeah, fair enough.
1: So that'll be instead a plus 12. That's going to be 13 plus 12 is 25. When they're talking about this, like the behaviors that you've heard sort of
2: rumored like in nearby towns, the even just the fact that it's picked somewhere where food is so fucking thin, but at the same time, so completely undangerous. You know what you're walking into. Like this is going
1: to be a, not quite a juvenile, but like a younger adult rock. This rock is making some mistakes. This is not, the best place for this rock to be. And I can see that there's going to be conflict already. There are some cows around, which will keep a rock going for
2: a little while, but that'll get exhausted nearly immediately. Like you need to go somewhere where like, you're trying to avoid the wyverns, but like, honestly, wyverns pretty solid prey for a, they'll keep you going for a little while if you're a rock. Once you have identified your problem, once you have a vague idea of what you're dealing with, does the wandering hold up, or do you have a plan? You don't have to outline the whole thing, but I want to know one angle of approach, like how you're trying to find this thing, and two, just is this active and clever decision-making, or is this a rom showing up to a problem?
1: No, no, no. no this Actually, Armenowee is clever. You wouldn't be able to do what she does and not no. be clever. She wouldn't have survived this long. And she is of the woods, of the land. This is where she's most comfortable. She's not just blustering about. She's very good at what she does. So I would say that she would respect, despite the fact that it's a juvenile, we're, we're still talking about a juvenile 747. So she would definitely respect <laughs> the creature. I would respect a juvenile bear. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I would say that she would just start making her way towards it and she'd be looking for signs like whole trees knocked over a corpse that is just like the heads here and all the ribs have exploded and gone this way. Like little obvious signs that a rock has been operating and start to work her way towards it. The goal is going to be is that, I mean, she deals directly with nature. So the first thing she's going to do is try to go and talk with it and try to explain, you know, perhaps we have options. She is a powerful, you know, high-level adventurer. Only a couple magic things, not a lot of weapons, she's basically got her bow, doesn't even wear armor. Not a bunch of magical rings, but what she does have is this like utility belt and a bandolier, and it's just filled with different vials of toxins and potions and dust and all these things from nature that she's collected or traded for that she applies to her trade to get the advantage.
2: You've told me that what you're doing here is basically you are trying to function as an avatar. Yes. I'm going to give you a flat d20 roll and then a percentile roll. And what this is going to be is straight up divine intervention. Okay. Per the cleric ability is just if you can roll under the d20 on percentile, God's on your
1: side. D20 roll is going to be an 11. Okay. And my percentile dice. Pretty solid. Are going to be 34. I thought it was four for a second. I use my primeval awareness ability. Perfect. As an action, you can expend one ranger spell slot, one minute per level of spell slot, to sense whether any aberrations, celestials, dragons, elemental, faith, well, that's that's not gonna work. (laughs) Okay,
2: ignore all that. (laughs) I'm gonna give this one to you though. Primeval awareness to me feels like it should work for like- Giant birds? It's awareness of weird shit in nature. Right. Is what it's trying to drive at, but it's trying to mechanize it in a way that doesn't get abused by players in general. I agree.
3: There's
1: a disturbance in the nature. Yes.
3: Right, there's a giant bird in the meadow. Like. Yeah, yeah.
2: this is a thing that, like, is off. Yeah. So when you try and you do a little sort of attune, you're watching for these signs and you don't, you don't get them. But at the same time, nature itself is sort of lighting up as something is off. You can see the flight patterns in the birds are a little wonky and the road you've been traveling down has been actively avoided. And then the last little flick is just you start seeing as you're walking these hills form and they're not huge, but they're big enough that like if you just had to go off of knowledge of how these creatures work, it's going to nest on something tall. There aren't any taller buildings. There are no mountains. It's going to be in the hills. So between the primeval awareness, all of these little sort of just tricks of the trade, you have at least a direction. You start heading out into
1: a slightly more uh, more hilly area. I'll pull my cloak a little tight. I've got a nature's mantle cloak because I'm not because I don't want to be ambushed by this thing. I do want to talk to it, but I want to talk to it where I'm in a good position.
3: In the document, I have put a pair of photos of a hawk looking awkward sitting on a nest, just so that you can get like the idea of how awkward this young man is on his stick throw. Look at
2: that guy. And is that that's your day right now? It's like today I'm not hungry. I have like it is together in like three days. You're going to realize you don't like the way like one little sort of quadrant is designed. So you're going to tear that apart, go get more materials, build something more sturdy. But today is just.
3: Yeah. You know, yes. Yesterday I spent pretty much the whole day like flying around the area, collecting things. You know, I I did a pretty good job. A couple of times I even picked up some carts and I, like, didn't even notice. But, you know, there were oxen attached to them. So I had a snack, too. So, like, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, I think I'm doing a pretty good job, you know. One day there will be a female of my species that comes by and will see this and be like, damn, that's (laughs) avant-garde. This guy thinks outside the box. Way outside the test.
2: Yeah. Around.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Are you
2: trying to be sneaky in any way? Like, is there a stealth element to this, or is this exploration looking for the creature?
1: I'm being sneaky to a point. So I'm being sneaky until I have seen the creature, and then I'm going to sneakily move to an open area where I can engage the creature. Then we're going to reverse the way this normally
2: works. Sean, Sean, you're going to roll me perception. Aram, you're going to tell me your passive stealth. Okay. So uh, passive perception is 10 plus whatever your uh, proficiency bonus would be. That's what we're doing here is you're not actively trying to sneak. You're just avoiding drawing attention to yourself a little bit. This isn't the half speed crouching in the bushes. Then I I have a plus
1: three to my stealth. Okay. So it's 13 DC for the perception check. The nature's mantle just allows me to hide in plain sight.
3: I got a 20.
1: Oh. Well, yeah. You see me. Sean are sitting
2: on top of this nest nest.
3: It is my nest. Yes.
2: And you're basically surveying your domain. Everything the sun touches when they belong to you. And you see just this little guy, a person off the road, walking almost directly towards you. And they seem to be like, crouched a little. They're not scurrying, and there doesn't seem to be purpose to their walk. But you can fucking draw this direct line of, like, every once in a while, they stop. They kind of, like, crouch down, and they're, they're trying to not be noticed. And you see them look. It's, it's the same way you look when you're looking for prey there's a thing you know you're looking for and you're just waiting for it to go through your vision and it settles more or less on your direction, redirects around, you know, the massive hill that's gotten in the way or whatever and it resumes coming towards you. You're far enough away that it can't like directly see you but it's got like one good crest before it's got direct line of sight and it's like just staring you down
3: Yes, I mean, like, this is a small thing, being. And the folks around here haven't really posed much of a threat. And, you know, the naivety of youth and a little bit of an inflated ego. I'm just, like, not worried about it. In fact, I, like, pop my little head up over the edge of my nest barrier like, I'm not trying to hide. I'm a gargantuan bird. I hide from no one, and I just claimed this whole territory as my own. Like, this is my kingdom. Like, you exist and come towards me at my will, at my leisure.
2: You are seeking
1: audience at this point, around.
3: Completely ill-advised, I'm sure.
1: That's more. That's more or less what she has in mind. Yeah. However, the second she sees that she's close. The first thing she's doing is casting bark skin and then continuing. Like, and even as she does it, she'll like look down and be like, "Well, maybe it'll help." <laughs> she'll continue on.
3: Oh, I hate, I hate the ones with the crunchy coating. <laughs> it's like M and M's,
2: melt in your mouth, <laughs> not in your talons. <laughs> or, um, exactly as I described, you are not being interfered with. This bird does not give a shit. Right. Uh, you crest a hill, and there's a point where. I'm going to go ahead and say, like, you just make eye contact.
1: Across the valley, yeah.
2: Yeah, this is the sort of thing where just you don't go into stealth mode. There's no reason to roll for stealth here. You know you are spotted.
1: Unless you take pains to break line of sight, Yeah. you're not sneaking. So I have a cloak that allows me to hide in plain sight, but she's not doing that right now because her goal is not to get away from it. She may need to later, but for right now, she's wants to be seen. I think she would step out. How far away am I right now? Close enough that I could, that can be heard if I yell. I want to emphasize
2: like how big this bird is and how far like. Right. You know how far a normal bird can see, but this is like you can see the shape of it on the horizon and it is pointedly like looking and then staring you down. Right. It's probably a good half mile away.
1: Okay. So what is the clearest path from my hilltop to a clearing near that hilltop.
2: I'm gonna say you got the primeval awareness it's supposed to run for like an hour or so. So I'm just gonna bullshit that that gives you some awareness of the topology here. You know that basically a little ways, like the bird is more or less direct, like northwest of you. There is to the northeast, just a spot between, like there's like three small hills
1: There's this scene where she just kind of kneels down, takes a handful of grass, smells it, lets it fall. And then you can just like zoom in on her ear where she hears a river two miles to the east and zoom in on her eyes where she sees a few bees gathering to the north. Sorry, the range of primeval awareness is one mile. Whatever, you know what I mean? So
2: she's (laughs) like, she's just taking in all of her senses (laughs) and knows the clearest path there. And once you start like heading in that direction, you can see there's the you're on basically the biggest hill sort of surrounding this little clearing. The river sort of cuts through in that area. And there's this little calling it a house is a bit generous just on the sheer level of dilapidation. Given that location, given how far out from everything is, the best you can figure is this was former adventurer just decided I'm done This'll be good
1: Oh that's a bummer Picked a
2: nice spot Built himself a house And then probably
1: died there Or a giant rock showed up on his doorstep and he left
3: Just a very classic I'm too old for this shit
1: Yeah it just packed up and left I'm saying
2: like looking at this You can tell that how old this house oh, is Oh gotcha And that it's been like out of repair This isn't like dilapidated in that it's been smashed It's this abandoned This is a very old abandoned house Okay given where it is, given that there's no other city around, the only people that would come this far into the middle of nowhere in a world where bullets exist,
1: it's adventurous. It is still smart to have like, I mean, yes, it's dilapidated, but something to duck into should this go bad is probably a good backup. So she would kind of move to the front of the house and throw her arms wide and make herself very obvious and then call out to this bird while casting Speak with Animals. Hello there, beautiful thing. And, you know, fucking.
2: Rangers have cantrips as well, yeah? Yep, absolutely. You get like one or two. Yeah, every class has a cantrip that makes you real loud. I don't know which one the Rangers have, but you use it. And it's enough that. Sean, up on the little perch, the rock hears just clear as day the ideas forming in your head. You know, rocks don't quite have language. But, like, you know, greeting, acknowledgement of beauty.
3: It's interesting because I've only ever, like, talked in so much as I can talk to other rocks. So to have this little bean (laughs) speak to me in a way that I immediately understood, I'm intrigued. You know, I, I, I get up, draw to my full height very impressive upon my throne and then like one wing flap and i'm 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 on you
2: one wing flap and you see it on the horizon a second one that just goes into the dive and it hits the ground and when it does there is just a little bit of shake it kicks up the dust cloud when it lands and now there is just a bird you're a very tall fireball so it's only 9 times your height. Still rather intimidating. Yeah. It, this is a straight vertical look up to see its face.
3: <laughs> yeah. I I'm considerate, of course. So I I drop my head down and just like side sideways head one big eyeball just.
2: Now it's only two stories up. Right. At right you.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm kind. I would like to like <laughs> dip my head in mimicry basically like you know following the gesture that's what I would attempt to do I'm gonna say
2: honestly I was gonna say some sort of charisma roll but what this boils down to this is an animal handling
1: right okay I've got a plus 8 that's gonna be an 18 plus 8 it's 26 okay yeah 26
2: like this is actually landing the way you intend it as like a little bit of respect, mostly just like, we're good. This isn't like a violent, like, I am not hunting. This is your territory. Simple greeting. These lands
1: are bare, poor food, no love. Lands you could go to, much food, much love, many younglings. How do you speak me? Magic. And she would just basically do like a little druid craft thing where she like takes a couple leaves and kind of winds them together and makes a little bird. And then the little leaf bird kind of flies up into the air and then just becomes leaves again on the wind. Impressive. Me like these lambs, they are mine. I found them. I don't leave. Lands are yours, very big. Take what's yours, lands belong. No argument. However, I could show you better lands, more food, much warmth, easier love.
2: You say I not find? The best lands You think
1: you know better Like she would like glance (laughs) Towards the building behind her Just so she knows where the doorway is (laughs) Yep You see much more Very big High in sky See all we cannot I say There are lands Beyond the shadows Further than even you can see That I know of Because I've come from there.
2: I'm going to have you roll persuasion. Because this is now a full conversation. (laughs) Right. And I'm also going to give you disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Here's why. Yeah. Sean's whole thing, the moment where she put you on a bad track, was going, do you think I can't do the best job? Right. And the line you said was, no, no, no. I'm not saying you didn't do a good job. I'm saying that I know of land beyond what you can see. Right, right. It's a challenge. You immediately invoked limitation. Yeah.
3: Like imagine a 16 year old boy who just fucking knows everything about everything. And how dare you?
1: I've seen the lands over there and the lands over there. That's all the lands.
3: All three of them. I've seen all three of the lands and that's how many lands there are. My parents have a land and then there's the ocean.
1: And there's nothing past the ocean. I've seen plains. I've
2: seen swamps. I've seen mountains. Like, what do you want? All three lands. <laughs>
1: All three lands. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen a fjord? No. I bet you haven't.
2: <laughs> there aren't
1: fjords. Fjords aren't real. <laughs> right. right. You know, those fantasy fjords.
3: Oh no. My last name. <laughs> <laughs> it's not real.
1: So I am rolling persuasion with this advantage, which I have a plus one too. So. I believe in you. Not great off the bat. I don't believe in you. I hope you die. I wrote a 19. And? And a five. That's better. Five plus one is six. <laughs> So, Sean,
2: this is something where I I probably should ask this in advance. Give me the tears. I want the DC for fully defuse the situation. Situation still on edge. You have been insulted.
3: I draw myself back up to my full height for maximum intimidation. And, you know, to to let this this mortal peasant. This really food. drink in the gr- This, this, this food. food. This This tidbit. Take in my full grandeur because, like, maybe you didn't see me the first time.
1: How dare this hors d'oeuvre talk shit to me? <laughs> like, what, eight stories tall because you've reared up?
3: I just look down my beak at you. Me think hey. I'm, I'm
2: finished. finished
1: speaking with you. Right. Uh, Yeah, that she's kind of like, again, just one foot starts to lead towards that shack and she's ready to bolt should anything go south.
3: So there's clearly some like cursed bird math going on in this brain. Like what is what is the move? Cuz like, yes. You could be a snack. But is it like even worth my time?
2: If it runs, I mean, one, it's acknowledgement that it's prey, but also it's not worth chasing necessarily. If it goes into this man nest, it seems Don't call it a yeah, man nest. Please don't nest. call it a man nest. That's
1: very upsetting. That's fair horribly upsetting.
2: I was just trying to get on your little fucking
1: <laughs> Never want to hear that term again if it goes into
2: this house. Thank you. It's trying to give you your whole little fucking it's a bird brain thing but like you're a, it's just I appreciate there it. There is no horrifying. good way to phrase human nest that doesn't
1: feel gross. Mm-mm.
3: I love man nest. I'm going to change my Twitter handle to a roms man nest. It's
1: very upsetting. Could have to report you.
2: <laughs> if it runs into this house. That could reasonably be seen as like a claim. Mm. Like that is a home that people live in on your territory.
3: Mm hmm. So I'm I'm better than this creature in all in all ways, obviously. And I've been sitting around all day, you know, maybe it's time for some fun. I'm going to do like a little like lunge forward, just a little playful one. Like I'm going to grab you.
2: Give me an intimidation check. You get advantage because you're too big not to. Fair? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I would think yeah. so. At least the first time.
3: How do you how do you want me to roll this intimidation out of strength?
2: Given this is a raw show of size. Yeah, I think it's coming off of strength. Like this isn't the I'm gonna talk low and quiet and intimidate you. This is I'm nine fucking stories tall.
3: I rolled a seventeen. And I have a strength score of 28.
2: Yeah. So this is a 26.
1: If it was lower, she would have run into the, a building. But that's too high. So she believes she's about to get eaten, and she throws her arm out. A gust of wind follows it, and she casts wind wall. A wall of strong wind rises from the ground at a point you choose within range, which will be right at that bird. You can make the wall up to 50 feet long, 15 feet high and one foot thick. You can shape the wall in any way you choose. So as long as it makes one continuous path along the ground. So it'll curve then, like a half moon and just spring up in front of you. The very first thing that would happen is that you would have to make a strike safe.
3: I only got a 14.
1: Okay, so you failed that saving throw. That means that when the wall appears, each creature must make a strength saving throw. A creature takes three to eight bludgeoning damage on a, on a failed save. So, oh wow, it actually it was gonna work.
3: I also didn't think it was gonna work.
1: I had a feeling it would, cause it's bad. <laughs> That is going to be 18 points of damage as this wind whips all around you and just catches you off guard. And
2: continues to blow. It feels like the wind in a dive. It is tearing, but there isn't consistency. It isn't just running along your, it isn't running along your feathers. It's throwing stones and tearing at your legs. It actively, and there's a moment where you reel back. And then I'm immediately going to run, just so you know. There's a movement right after that. Uh, yeah, you you make it 30 feet towards the house. I'm going to say the house is 60 feet away because I want you to be scared all the time. I can run 40 feet, so I run 40 feet towards the house. So it's 20 feet to house. Sean, it's your turn. We've entered initiative order.
3: (laughs) First of all, how dare you? Yeah, fair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like very caught off guard by this because, ow, from such a small nugget. So I kind of stumble back and then you're running, you're prey, you're food. I'm I'm gonna take off and I'm gonna fly after you and just go for the classic rock multi-attack
2: just one good flap and quite frankly the moment you see that happen it
1: overwhelms the wind wall it just disperses it with one wing flap yeah Yeah. and it
2: flies like that 40 feet is nothing it's a third of its movement speed and it just lands at your back
1: Sean make your attack rolls
3: I'm just gonna go for a real quick talon
1: my AC for the first one will be 16 for the attacks after that.
3: Okay. Well, it's a 24.
1: That definitely is.
3: Can one of you roll 4d6 for me? My dice bot's not working. 15. Plus nine.
1: Whew, 24 points of damage. And
3: then you need to make a DC 19 strength save. Strength save, Or you okay. will be grappled. Or dexterity, I guess you could dodge it
2: it does have grapple. We talk shit about it not having a grapple the entire fucking episode, and then we're
1: just blind. We did. That is going to be a 16 plus eight is 24.
3: All right, so you don't get grappled.
1: It closes around me, rips across my arm, but I duck down just as they slam shut above me.
3: And then as I see that you've rolled away from me, I have a multi-attack, so I go in with the beak, with the beak. I'm going, I'm going for the beak.
1: Now I'm AC 20.
3: Okay, it's a 27.
1: Oh, that hits. Yeah, definitely <laughs> hits.
3: And then this is brutal. This is 4d8 plus 9.
1: So it was a shit roll, 1-3-1-3, one, three, one, three. 8 on the dice. Oh!
3: Okay. 8
1: plus 9 is 17 more damage. Oof, yeah. Our looking hurt, no doubt. Big old chunk out of her arm and shoulder.
2: You get a free object interaction on your turn, so you can get through the door. If you want to do any sort of barricading or making
1: yourself safe in there, you're going to need your action. She needs to buy herself time. She would stand her ground, and she's gonna cast summon air elemental, basically, you know, 50 feet up in the air, right in your face, and have it be the distraction, hopefully. Can And then with a bonus action, she's going to Hunter's Mark you. I want the air elemental to be in the shape of like another bird. So it's like a little wispy cloud-like hawk, Sean, give me a
2: bird that tends to fight other birds.
1: Yeah, like a real mean bird that
2: picks on bigger birds. Yeah, there's a bunch of dickhead little birds that'll like go fight an eagle because they're just assholes.
3: I mean, I, I, the Canadian in me is like Canada goose.
2: Hell yes. Honestly, probably a jay.
3: Yeah, just like a really dickish blue jay, yeah.
1: Ram, do you know the rules for summon creatures off the top of your head? Summon Elemental. You call forth an Elemental Spirit. It manifests in an unoccupied space that you can see within range. This corporal form uses the Elemental Spirit stat block. When you cast the spell, choose an Elemental, Air, which determines that blah, 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 the creature is an ally to you and your companions in combat. The creature shares your initiative count, but it takes its turn immediately after yours. So it would go right now. It obeys your verbal commands. No action required by, uh, by you. If you don't issue any, it takes the dodge action and uses its move to avoid danger. That would be my command, by the way. Don't attack it, annoy it, and just keep on the dodge action. Just keep trying to not get hit, but annoy the crap out of it. So you have the Whirlwind ability on this thing. Yeah, it might pull that off. Might,
2: yeah, I mean, it's a 13 strength save, so it, it, it won't pull that off.
1: Yeah. But it's not smart enough to know it can't.
2: The other thing is if you're trying to just harass it and keep the dodge action going. That's what I'm thinking. If you want it to basically harry the, uh, the rock and not let it get a shot off at you, the way that's going to work is it's going to take an action to give you the- it's going to take the help action and then it won't be able to take the dodge action. So it will definitely get hit. Right, gotcha, gotcha. And what the help will be is giving disadvantage to Sean if Sean tries
1: to hit you. Okay, perfect. That's, that's, sure? that's what I need, yes, absolutely. All right, then that's your turn. Yep, hunter's mark and summon an
2: ally. Sean, this wispy little cloud of a J.
3: Yeah.
2: Is just up in your face harassing you.
3: I'm pretty sure that you're just mocking me now
2: <laughs>
3: and this the exact
2: is exact opposite of your goal
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: like yeah. this
3: is highly offensive <laughs> so i need to destroy this bird thing to show that i am the biggest bird i am the best bird i'm going to try and grab you to make you watch me kill it <laughs>
2: This is the danger of having a clever bird is then you get a mean bird.
3: But I'm at disadvantage, right? Correct. I rolled once. Ooh. So that's a 14 to hit.
2: So a 14 is going to miss as AC is 16.
3: Yeah, so I, I stomp the ground. Nowhere near you.
2: You stomp the ground and you're going towards it. But all that happens is that loose shape of a J slams into the ground with your talon and just creates a little bit of a shock, a little burst of wind. Aram, you're just pushed out of the way. Just kind of pushed back. Aram, always just shoved a little bit. She stumbles a little, but now she's you're out of, you know, the danger zone of talon.
3: Yeah, and now I'm angry. Now I'm now I'm just an angry, you know, a ball of feathers, so I just attack the the air elemental. Like I just you know Yeah, I how just, dare it? Yeah, how dare it? AC's
2: fifteen for the record.
3: That's the twenty three to hit.
2: Yeah. And
3: it's uh forty eight for the beak attack.
2: Eleven twenty points of damage to the air elemental Aram for you to keep track of. That's
1: halved to ten because rocks are non magical. They are not. So the claw just goes through it, and, like, you clearly knock some of the air around, but it does reform rather quickly.
2: Then around, it's your turn. This bird is now actively angry
1: at the wind. <laughs> I've been blown back out of the bird's attack range, right? Uh, no, like, that was, I was narrating.
2: That's flavor. Understood. Also, I believe it has a 10-foot reach anyway.
1: Then as her gambit has worked, the rock is temporarily distracted. She quietly whispers a little prayer and kind of curses under her breath because she didn't want it to come to this. And she reaches back into her quiver and she pulls out two arrows. The first arrow has this purple sheen on it, almost to black, but when the light catches it, you can see Violet. And just looking at this sheen, it just feels dangerous. And we flash back in her mind to a couple weeks ago, when she was passing through another woods and stopped by to see a good friend. This hag has an interest in spiders. So wherever our goes, She gathers up little spiders. If she she hasn't seen one, if it's new to her, she'll pop it into a little jar, bring it back with her, and trade for various ointments and dusts, and in this case, a very rare purple worm poison. And she levels it at you and takes a shot. 14 plus 11 is 25.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. So first it does uh, one die eight plus six is 10, then another die six because I have you a hunter's mark. So 11 points of damage, and then you have to make a constitution save, DC 19.
3: I got a 16.
1: Okay. All right. It's ball bringing constitution saves into a giant animal fight, Right. right? All right, drow poison, purple worm poison injury. The poison must be harvested, blah, blah, blah. A creature subjected to this poison, you failed the save, so you immediately take 12 dice six poison damage. Fuck off. Yeah.
3: Ouchies.
1: 44 points of damage as the poison courses through your veins. She locks her second arrow, but does not fire and crackling electricity is now popping up and down her bow. And she says, please, do not fight. Allow me to take you to paradise.
3: I don't trust it. I don't, I don't, you just poisoned the shit out of me. You you don't have to worry about understanding my response. Right. If like a bird can raise a skeptical eyebrow. <laughs> right. This is probably the most damage I've ever taken, like in my entire life.
1: She does not want to lightning the bird. She she really doesn't want- she does she's definitely not here to kill the bird. Killing the bird is a failure state, regardless if she even could do it, right? So she was about to cast Lightning Arrow, right? She was like, you could see that lightning a, a crackling, but you just, again, she curses under her breath, sighs, prays to all of the nature gods, and instead is going to cast Ensnaring Strike. <laughs> Hopefully it'll hold you. You've gotten <laughs> too lucky with saves, man. This is an I know. I'm casting it third level. It is going to be a strength save, DC 16. Is there any way I could get one round of disadvantage because of the poison? Is there any way at all? Maybe. Maybe
2: I could be made sympathetic if you came to me with this request normally. But the number of times you have with the fucking rules in front of you (laughs) (laughs) told me the wrong shit. This is what you get.
1: (laughs) All right, fair enough.
2: Just the rules.
1: Okay, DC 16 strength, save them.
3: If I roll anything other, like anything above like a six. Yeah. It's an 11, so plus nine. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, so these vines, like you say, start trying to creep up this creature and it's just an impossible task. It's not going to happen and it just kind of like steps a little, you know, a little bird waddle that they'll do. That's it. It tears through the vines as if they weren't there. It's the air elemental's turn.
3: I make a mental note that when I'm done with you to come and get the vines to add it to my nest.
1: Right, they're nice vines, yeah. You don't get a lot of vines in the hills.
3: That's free real estate.
1: Ensnaring
2: Strike, I'm going to say, is intelligent magic in that, like, it knows the size of its target. So it was vine that should be able to get you. This is a useful quantity of vine.
1: It was the kind of rope you used to, like, tie back a ship. Like, big, yeah. thick, thick vines. Yeah. yeah. It's the air elemental's turn. So keep harrying it, right? So, because I, I need to not die. But... On my next turn, I'm going to hold action and let it go first and we're going to switch up the tactics. But on this one, yeah, keep me from not dying, please. Sean. Shitty Windbird.
3: Yeah.
2: Making an active effort to be in your face.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't like it. I also don't like that I'm hurt like the mental gymnastics I'm going through is like pretty tough for my young bird brain. But I think for the time being, like, hubris and pride, like, is winning out. So I'm going to try and, like, make another little beaky bite at this air elemental. And that's going to be a big one. That's going to be 26.
1: That'll definitely hit.
3: A talon, I guess.
1: Just like a swipe and then a big, huge chomp, just biting the air.
3: Yeah, and that's a 22 to hit.
2: That's a total of 36 damage between the two attacks, plus the 18 for strength twice is 54. So Aram, that's 27 more damage to your era elemental. Okay.
1: It shreds for a moment and then reforms, a little bit smaller.
3: I let out a very fucking irritated (laughs) series of bird noises.
2: These aren't even shrieks. These are squawks.
3: These are squawks, like- Complaints. Truly angry beeping.
1: Here's her ace in the hole. Here's how she was going to get this bird out of here. She's got a scroll and it's a very potent scroll. And she really, She's like, this is one of those like break glass in case of emergency things. But what she's got is a scroll of teleportation circle. There are some caveats. She's got to draw the circle around you. So, this round, while the air elementals harassing you, I'm going to take an attack of opportunity to try and draw a chalk circle around you. Okay.
2: Here's what I'm going to give you. This is my grand act of kindness as a DM. Half the circle is already drawn. It's the wind wall just carved out of the ground.
3: Perfect. Oh, Perfect. That's, that's so such good flavor. I love mm. it. Okay. Okay.
2: I love it. So the rest of the round, by implication, that means that, you know, if the 50 feet of wind wall is half the thing, that means you need to cover the remaining 50 feet it's going to take an action to basically get enough you're, you're drawing on fucking grass right yep. it's going to take your action to get enough sort of sigil in the ground for it to really count for the magic and because i know your move speed it's
1: going to take you two rounds to finish this that amenable yep absolutely that's what she does she does pulls that cloak up tight and bolts as fast as she can. There was a game she'd play in the forest when she was younger, where they had to run through this area where there were these large prey animals, whatever it was in the, in the hills that they were at. And the whole idea was to get through this place and dodge. They wouldn't chase you. They would just annoyedly swipe at you if you got too near them. And so she's used to this game. She's just gotta not get hit. Sean, I want to know while this is happening,
2: would you be concerned with a ROM or are you going after this air elemental?
3: I think I've got like young, angry young kid tunnel vision. like I'm I'm a smart creature, but I'm also a dumbass teenager, right? Like and this mockery of my grandeur is still in front of me
2: then what we're gonna say is just for the bonuses you have, you're going to hit it on an attack. That's a guarantee. Cause I think you have plus nine strength and your bonus is like a plus, your uh, proficiency is a plus four. So you miss on a one or a two. Going with that, like the the double attack did 27 damage after resistance last time. So it's gonna take 54 damage over the course yeah. of these two rounds. Is that fair to you, Rom? Yeah, absolutely. Does that take out the air It does. That will definitely take it out. It's going to take all of those attacks to take this thing out, which means you will be in one spot for the next two rounds. Aram, what's the DC on on your teleportation circle safe?
1: I think this is going to be interesting because there is nothing because teleportation circles are not meant to be used this way. So there is no resistance stated. So it's whatever you want to do. Did a quick scan through the uh, the
2: various teleportation spells, you know, teleport, dimension door, all those. None of them have a save. None of them have an if you are unwilling. So what we're going to go with is just a wisdom save. Just you're trying to hold to where you
1: are in space. This is a full-blown, like act of will, right? So I just get around. I just like I have this piece of like silvered
2: chalk and it's this thunderous noise the entire time as the bird is stamping around, snapping and you hear one last huge crack as it crushes. And you see you feel the connection to the elemental sever and the eyes shift down to you just as you're like dragging The chalk doesn't even work. This is like a weird fucking half-assed proxy move where you've got like a silver dagger that you're just dragging through stone, trying to just leave enough shavings behind for it to count. And then you cast the spell and you hope to fuck that it actually works.
3: So I need to beat a 16.
2: You need to roll a 16 or higher.
3: My wisdom save is plus four. That is a six.
2: (laughs) Whew. Okay. Barest of your fucking teeth, you look up and you see this thing make eye contact with you and you have to look away. And
3: I'm coming for you.
2: Because this scroll, you have to read it. Yes. So you feel the fucking wind. You feel the air as this thing comes down, beak open, and there's just this little angry growl at the back of it. (laughs) And as the scroll just burns through your hand, turns to ash, you don't die. And there's like a beat, just a moment. And then you look at this lightly glowing circle in the dirt. And one giant feather
1: falling into the center of it. Sean, describe this bird's paradise.
3: I go to eat you, and I get only a mouthful of snow. This is a far and wild place with jagged peaks. The wind is strong and crisp and cold and… I cannot sense a human being, or a humanoid, or whatever the hell you are, for miles. But what I do hear in the distance is the cries of dragons, and of wyverns, and I know that the eating will be good, and that the- and that the mates will be plentiful. (laughs)
2: And we zoom out from hundreds upon hundreds of miles up the Sword Coast, near the edge of the map in the frozen wastes. And we leave this bird right where it belongs.
1: Thank you for joining us for a DM Deep Dive into the Rock. For more information about us, notes for each episode, and ways you can help support the show, head over to killeverymonster.com. If any of the
2: ideas we've discussed on the show sparked some of your own, tell us about it on Twitter at KEM Podcast. You'll find me at DJ malinfont and Aram at Aram Vardian.
1: For ad-free episodes, early releases, bonus episodes, print-ready maps, our new audio DMs notes, and my character sheets for each encounter, head over to patreon.com slash killeverymonster. You can also listen to ad-free episodes and bonus content by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts. Our intro theme and many of the sound effects you hear in
2: the show were created by BattleBards. Check them out at
1: BattleBards.com. This episode was produced by Aram Vartian and Dylan Malenfant. I also did the editing. Our guest was Sean Ford. You can find her on Twitter at Sean E. Ford. And if you are anything like me and all of that information just fell right out of your head, you'll find everything you need at killeverymonster.com. And we'll see you next time for For Kill Kill Every Every Monster. The ancient mountainous deserts to the south of Feyrun are the places where mortals first raised great temples and unlocked powerful secrets. A kingdom once fractured by infighting has been united under the iron claw of the red dragon Chazar. The Great Lizard's quest for immortality has become an all-consuming obsession. His need for worshippers has set him on a path against the old gods of these lands, and they will not go quietly. An unlikely cabal of deities has banded together to undermine Jazar and ensure that their temples remain protected and active. They've traced tendrils of fate to preferred timelines, then selected five mortals who had the best chance of bringing those futures to fruition. You will take on the role of one of these chosen, in Death to the Dragon King. Find out more about this Start Playing Games campaign
3: and all of my other available games at aram.gay.